Welcome to the Vulnerable Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Almeida. Each week, we'll share the inspiring story of someone who has faced their share of vulnerability and been able to find success and fulfillment. We hope all our stories will help you find the strength within yourself to live the life you want and find success of your own. Dr. Brene Brown said, Vulnerability sounds like truth and feels like courage. Truth and courage aren't always comfortable, but they're never weakness. This is episode 19 of the Vulnerable Podcast with Jake Jordan. Growing up, his dad worked hard to provide for his family, which meant that he wasn't always around. So softball games and activities were something that mom was present at. Although at the time it didn't seem to be the worst thing in the world, he would find out years later it affected him more than he thought mainly because he wasn't able to build the strong father-son relationship that most boys have. As he got older, he'd begin to start shifting his mindset through books and therapy. Learning that everyone shows love in a different way helped him understand those different relationships he had with his parents. Thankfully, his willingness to dig deep and become more self-aware would help him become the man he is today. Now he's a communications coach helping cause-driven business owners grow teams and increase revenue through purpose, priorities, and accountability. Whether you need consultation or workshops, he can help you bring more impact to your workplace. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get vulnerable with Jake Jordan. Hey, Jake, thank you for coming on the Vulnerable Podcast. It's a pleasure to have you here. We've gotten to know you over the past couple of years through LinkedIn, like many of the people that have been on this podcast already. And uh, yeah, I'm just glad you decided to come on and, and share a bit about your story. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Um, I love podcasts. I'm a junkie. So, <laughs> and I like you, so it's a perfect fit. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. So the first question I like to ask every guest is what is your definition of vulnerability? Uh, it's the courage to talk about the parts you don't want to talk about of yourself. Which that's flat. It's easy for me. Yeah. Sweet. Sim- simple. And I, and I like it. And what I also like, as I've said on the past episodes is everybody's definition is different, but yours is definitely the shortest. So I'll give you uh, <laughs> the, the, the award for that. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. So thinking back, you know, it, it, I, I don't know how far back you want to go, but just thinking back, what is your earliest memory of facing something vulnerable or going through some sort of struggle in your life? Mm. You know, I think, when you talk about vulnerability, there's a couple of things you can say, right? There's, there's, you go through things where you are vulnerable, but then actually talking about and processing things for vulnerable often happen not in the same time period. Yeah. In my experience. And so, um, you know, it's like you hear about psychologists. So like one of my huge, um, loves is brain science, um, and the psychology of why people choose what they choose. And, uh, so that got me into marketing and that's how I got where I am today. Is, is that interest in that. And, you know, over the years, as you kind of study these things, you find that most of the thing, most of your philosophies in life were built between the time you were zero and eight to 10 years old, um, when your brain's doing all that stuff. So there's a lot of things that happen in your childhood that you may not really ever process. But if you decide to explore that, uh, you go back and I've processed quite a few things over the last probably five years, particularly. Um, that, you know, seven, eight, nine, 10, 12 years old, that at the time I was just, it was my family and it was my life and this is how life goes. Right. Um, and I don't have like a really fantastically horrible past or anything, but <laughs> I think everyone goes through times where they go. Um, I don't think that's how I would do it if I was in their shoes and, and you feel like, um, there's trauma or damage of some sort and 
at some point it, it makes you vulnerable. It makes you put you in a corner and you have to decide if you're going to be courageous enough to deal with it head on, or you're going to let that build you into something that isn't necessarily healthy. Um, so all that to say, uh, I don't necessarily have one specific incident where I went back and went, wow, that's the first time I really felt like I was vulnerable. Um, cause as a noun, it's one thing, but as an adjective, you know, we use it as they're in a vulnerable state. Um, but you can also say, you know what, I feel like this is a time we should be vulnerable and open up. Um, and so I think that application is interesting. So, um, there's not one specific incident. It, I, I think it's um, like maybe uh, as I look back on um, how my parents raised me and, and very often kind of middle-class regular uh, most people's uh, American experience. Uh, my dad worked really hard and uh, my mom stayed at home most of the time. And uh, as a stay at home mom and, my, and you know, my dad and I did not have much of a relationship because he was working hard, trying to make money, trying to make us happy. Um, and later in life realized that that's not what's important to, to, to him and to his family. And we've since become very good friends. He's one of my best friends now. Um, but I have, I've had to process through some of the, the fact that my dad wasn't at a lot of my baseball games and my dad, um, wasn't home at night sometimes to tuck me in, you know, my dad wasn't, um, you know, it's not a dad bash. It's just, he didn't, was doing what he thought was best. And as a result, mom was a certain way because dad wasn't there. Um, and so, yeah, that's, that's something that I, I've processed over the last few years, um, and had to really understand why, uh, that everyone's coming from a different spot and that's okay. And you can process that in a healthy way. You can process that in an unhealthy way. No, and it's interesting where like you, you sort of said early on there where, you know, you haven't gone through anything like horrible or anything like that, that you can think of. And, and what I find is interesting is, is that you know, as I've done this podcast and, and as I've interviewed different people, everybody, like I said, looks at vulnerability different. And, and, you know, I'm trying to make it so that, you know, not everybody sort of pictures it as this, you know, you have to have these horrible situations because I agree with you. I don't think it's about that. I think it's just about, you know, learning, you know, what you may have gone through, whether it be struggles, vulnerability, whatever it might be, and then how you sort of worked your way through that or, or how it might have helped you get to where you're at now. So, I mean, again, like, even though that situation wasn't seen as, as horrible by any means, I can definitely see how that can affect somebody. I mean, uh, similarly, I didn't have the greatest relationship with my dad. And that's just because, you know, he's old school European man, you know, and just the, the, the way that they work and is, you know, like, like you're saying, do work and, and come home, do more work, <laughs> and, you know, and just, you know, eat dinner and stuff like that. And it, it's not until my adulthood where we started to become a little bit closer. And I think it's just, again, like you're saying, there's an understanding there of, you know, you, you kind of realize now, like as an adult, why that maybe was that way. Right. So I, I completely understand where you're coming from. So how, how would you say that, you know, you worked through this or you overcame this as a kid? I mean, you said your mom was around, a lot. So I'm assuming she had a lot to do with, you know, helping you work through that. But wh what else would you say that you did to help you sort of work through that, those things as a kid? Well, you, you build mindsets based on your own experiences, right? You, you build your own world in your head. It's, it's like that castle that, uh, of pathways that you have in your head that you're constantly tweaking to make your life more comfortable for yourself or to, to grow yourself more. And so uh, I just developed different mindsets that fit me. And so um, I, I grew up with a very competitive family. Um, 
my both sides of my grandparents were competitive. My mom's very competitive. My dad's funny enough, not really competitive. <laughs> um, and so I always leaned on performance um, and accolades and um, things like that to get my self-esteem and to, to put where I got my value uh, was largely. And if I can go be a really, really great athlete, maybe dad will have to come see me because he's hearing these great things about me. Or if I'm really, really, really great, my mom is very proud of me and she makes a special meal for me, you know, like, so accolades and, and performance was, a, was how I built into um, coping with just the situation I grew up with. A, a great book that I read during uh, therapy was um, How We Love. And it's, it's basically the, the way that your household started and the way that you received comfort is the way that you look to give and receive comfort as an adult with a spouse or, um, you know, to degrees with friends and things like that. So that book helped me kind of process that as well. Um, and then a therapist to, to say, okay, here's what, here's what model you are. It's not good, bad, and different. It's, it's just what you are based on what we know. Um, and so I think self-awareness is a big part of it, being willing to dig in and, and to have um, tough emotional uh, conversations uh, with yourself, with your spouse, with your parents, with your kids. It's, it's, it's self-awareness and willingness are the two things I think that start you down that path. Um, and then, you know, sticking with it because nothing's solved in a day, um, nothing's solved in a week. And so you have to be willing to, to it's a commitment to almost a, a new season or a new lifestyle to be vulnerable and to take it on as something that you are now, not something you're going to do. Um, and like, for example, James Clear has got a book called Atomic Habits, right? And, and it's kind of the 1% rule he talks about is that nothing is, is, is changed because of the habits it's changed because the habits develop a new set of reality in your brain and that changes your life. Hmm. Um, so yeah, it's, it, I think it takes a willingness. I guess that's why I started with courage. Um, it takes a willingness to look at yourself and then a willingness to stick with it um, and look at it as a lifestyle change and not just something that you do once, even though that's where you start. Well, it's, it's funny because the, this whole self-awareness thing is something that I, I think if I've done maybe, I think you're 17, episode 17 at this point, and I would say at least 80% of the episodes self-awareness has been brought up. So it seems like one of the keys here in terms of, you know, working your way through things and, and overcoming <clears throat> certain things in, in, in your lifetime. So, um, you know, just something to you know point out, I guess, for listeners right. out there, because it seems very important to me if that many people are, are sort of bringing it up. The other thing that I, I heard you bring up there that I know is important just from my own experience is what you said about communicating and being able to open up to people. I, I didn't really do that for years myself. And in the last year, year and a half or so, I've been doing it a lot more. And I can see where you're coming from in terms of how much that helps you because it's when you're willing to be that open with people and, and share those things with people that they can finally understand where you're coming from and be able to support you the proper way. You know, when I when I got let go from my job a couple of years ago and and you know, thought I could do everything on my own. And, you know, I was going to become this new person or whatever. It, it started to put a lot of other things on the back burner and, and hurt a lot of other relationships and everything. And when I finally realized that's not the way to go about it, and I started to open up more, it, it definitely helped. So I can, again, pretty relatable in terms of, of what you're talking about here. So, sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, it's, it's funny, because that um, willingness to, to open up and be self aware, um, and to commit to doing that long term 
has been a, a large filter for me on how I pick clients because I want clients that do that as well because I'm a communications coach and consultant. And so if they're not willing to look at their business or they're willing to look at why they're doing their business um, and do it consistently over and over, then they're not going to be a good fit for me. So it's, it's funny how you're prepared <laughs> for, for the path that you, you walk on. Um, you know, and I'm a believe, I'm, I believe in God. It's, I think nothing's an accident. You know, I think everything's got connections and things that we don't know about, but we just try to walk in the path the best. Right. Um, and so whatever your belief is, I still believe wh whatever you label it as that, when you are self-aware, it gives you the best opportunity to work inside the world that you are living in. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I wouldn't have put the two to the two together in terms of like, you know, when you're when you get yourself right, I guess is the best way to put it. Uh, you know, that it'll help you put other things into perspective better. You know, like from your life to your business. And again, I've seen that, and I, I won't get into it because <laughs> this yeah. is you know an episode about you, but. Just say, say I've sort of seen the same similarities in my life as I've gotten more aligned over the last little while. So, mm -hmm. so you know, you, you talked about self-awareness and, and the willingness to, to, you know, go through these things and that's how it helped you overcome it. But what new strength would you say you discovered in yourself going through these things as a kid? Um, you know, you, you said that, you know, made you more competitive. Maybe that was your strength. What would you say? I that's a tough one because... You know, self-awareness to me is just like an antenna. If, if you put the antenna up, the longer you have it up, the more you're going to hear, the more you're going to see, uh, the more open you're going to be to opportunities that pop up. Um, when you take it down, it's like you're walled up and, and you're, you know, you're in a defensive position. And so I, th I think, I'll, and, I mean, people who know me know this, I, love, I read all the time, right? So I'm, I'm always bringing up books. Right. <laughs> Holiday's book, um, The Obstacle is the Way, um, was, was life-changing for me. Um, not that I didn't understand the concept already, but just the way he wrote it was, was completely eye-opening for me uh, from a practical sense in that you have to go through the shit. You have to. There's no avoiding it, period. Otherwise, you'd be dead. Like, there is no version of life where you're not in an obstacle this week or this month. It's just the degree of the obstacle, right? Um, and so by becoming self-aware and understanding who you really are, I think the strength that's come from that is, is adversity is the way to strength. And being self-aware in that adversity um, and being willing to open up and be vulnerable is the way that you improve. I, I, and I don't, not, like, you hate to say, like, I'm, I'm actually one of those people that says, don't ever say, this is the only way to do something, right? Like, <laughs> because... Number one, I don't know everything, so I can't know that answer. And number two, I know I don't know everything, so I know I shouldn't say that. But there's certain concepts in life that I just go, I think this is the only way. Like, there's lots of ways to do it wrong. <laughs> yeah. Right? And, and we can all see that, you know. Um, this is one of those concepts where I would lean to want to say that, but I'm not going to. <laughs> you have to go through adversity and be self-aware and be willing to talk about it and change things about yourself. Um, that's the only way to really grow, really. Otherwise, you're just moving meters on a, a dashboard, you know, like needles on a dashboard. It's, you're measuring the wrong things. Um, I think the measurement of growth comes to not how much you change, but how much you become more of who you actually are. Uh, and, and that's what vulnerability opens up. Uh, you can't do it without it. It's looking through a foggy you know, mirror otherwise.
No, and and I agree, and and I know exactly what you mean about not trying to say like you know preaching like this is the way and and this is the only way, but at the same time, you know, if people were to listen to every episode that I've done so far, you're going to see a lot of similarities in terms of what you're saying and what other guests have said. So, mm-hmm. you know, there's definitely some value behind what you're saying and and something to look at for a lot of people, and and I think that as each episode you know progresses and as people listen they're going to be able to take things away, whether it's that one little thing or, or 10 things from each episode, you know, so at the same time, you know, whether they, they think it's right or not, or they agree or not, at least I would hope that they'd look at it or try it. Because again, you never know, like I didn't know a lot of things a year or two ago. And, and now that I've started to discover them, like I said, it's helped me out in, in many different ways. So, and, and I'm learning a lot from doing this as well. I mean, I've never looked at it that way either, to be honest with you about how much our adversity. I know that the way I guess it, it, that I've looked at it is when I've gotten most uncomfortable is when I've grown the most. So it may be just a different way of saying it, but I, I agree. So, I mean, you, you said that earlier on, you haven't faced a lot of horrible things. And, and, and this is sort of a question that I'm trying to restructure <laughs> because, because yeah. of the fact that, you know, in the past, what I've asked people as in one of the next questions is how many times would you say you face vulnerability in your life? A lot, a little, a moderate amount. It's a very hard thing to define. And one of my past guests sort of brought up the fact that in comparison to what, and I was very challenged by that because I was like, right. he's right. Like, how do right. you compare that? So what I'm trying to sort of do uh, moving forward is is it, it look at sort of an emotional sense like you know you've talked about you know therapy and and books that you've read and stuff like that so you know emotionally would you say that you know you've you've struggled a bit quite a bit in life a little bit you know like how, how what would you say the effects have been of of your past and everything yeah so i think that's you know emotional intelligence is a is a skill that can be acquired i think you're you're born with a certain amount just like an athlete would be um, but I also think it's something that you can absolutely learn. And vulnerability is one of the main pieces of, you know, an output of being emotionally intelligent. Uh, and so that's something that I value because I value communication and, and connection so much that it's it's been a, a focus of my life. Um, so I spent a lot of time uh, exploring those things personally. Uh, and I, it's one of those things where I, I think as a kid, I didn't spend a lot of time thinking about it. Uh, and, and I just you know, lived my life. And as I got older uh, and was able to get past my ego and understand that I'm not the center of the universe, um, that's when it really started to open up for me in my mid twenties and, and to go, okay, there's a lot more out there than just me, number one. Uh, and that that's when I was able to say, what would it look like to do something impactful in this world? And that would require that I get in some tough spots. Um, physically, emotionally, whatever that looks like, that's going to be required of me. Uh, I'm not going to be able to avoid it. And as I kind of took that journey, uh, um, understanding how other people struggle and and being curious about that, just because I wanted to for my business and, and whatever role I might be in in a company, it was my job to understand pain. You know, um, it personally took a toll on me in a way that I didn't expect, which was that it started revealing parts about me I didn't like because I was being so curious about others and saw the pain that they were in and actually really started to empathize with that pain, not just see it as a way to sell something or market something. Um, Because when you come face to face with those people and and you do actual 
qualitative research where you're face to face with these people and, and then people start opening up to you and it's more than just, Oh, I can't, I'm not getting sales. It's like, uh, I'm miserable and I hate my life and I don't, I'm about to lose this job if I can't get sales, you know, and, and they're crying like that, that that'll take its toll after a while. If it's not the first time, the 10th time, you know? Um, and, and so that opened me up to, uh, to some spots I didn't like about myself that were, were really ugly uh, in my opinion. And I had to make the choice to, to say, am I willing to talk to someone, whether it's a, a friend or uh, a pastor at one point or a therapist at one point or whatever about these ugly things? Uh, because I know that it's going to hold me back um, from being my best self. I was at a networking event um, last month and the lady, she's a financial advisor. And, and but she was talking about, that I need you to be the, you're a genius because I'm a genius at finance and you're a genius at something. And I need you to do that for me because I need to spend my time over here being a genius in finance. So I can't do all those other things. So I need you to be the best you so I can be the best me. And I, that really resonated with me because after going through some of that stuff, it was like, look, I really want help to help people communicate in a way that it's going to help them be the best them. So then I can be the best me. Um, and, and so, you know, there's, there's a, a spot in life uh, and a lot of best-selling books that have kind of kind of come out, like the art of not giving an F, you know, <laughs> like different versions of all the same topic is how do you get okay with yourself so that now you can actually move forward with your life? Cause I almost feel like it's a, whether it's a midlife crisis, you know, halfway point by Bob, what's his name? Um, I forget what it is you know, when you're a guy and you're 40 and you go, what am I doing with my life? What am I leaving behind? You know, whatever it is, you get to a point in your life where you're like, okay, now my life has started. I've removed all this garbage, you know, at least the big stuff hanging on to me. And now I can start my life. Um, and, and that's, that's how being vulnerable, the sooner you can do that, the quicker you can get to that point, the, the faster you can get to your, your real purpose, um, and, and get to a spot where, um, you can make the difference that you were kind of built to make um, in a way that's going to be more significant than just dropping off crumbs every once in a while once you get out of your own way, you know? So that's what I've personally been going through the last two years because um, I'm 41 and about to be 42 here in a couple months. And so I, I just, I said, I, I'm tired of, of caring what other people think of me. I'm, I'm tired of trying to earn people's respect and accolades. I just want to make an impact in the way that I'm built because I know this is what I'm built to do. I just want to make a bigger impact doing that. And sure, I want to build a business around it. and I want people to be happy with my work, but that's not the purpose anymore. The purpose is to, to become more me and, and give that away uh, in a better way. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> no, and uh, so a couple of years ago, like I said earlier in the episode, when I got let go from my job, a friend of mine suggested the book, uh, The Monk Who Sold His Ferrari. Not sure if you've read it or not by Robin Sharma, but essentially mm -hmm. the book talks about the fact that you have to be good with yourself first and you have to make sure that you're okay first before you can start giving to others mm -hmm. because it's impossible. There's a lot of people talk about the cup and you have to, your cup has to be overflowing before you can start filling others. Right. And, and that's uh, from what I know, that's a metaphor that comes from that book because that's where I got it from and that's where I read it first. And mm -hmm. so I can completely relate to what you're saying about you had to get good with yourself before you could worry about everybody else because otherwise you're just wasting your energy and other books that I've read have talked about that recently about how you have to protect your energy and be careful who you give it to and 
and so on. I mean, I've been doing a lot of reading myself, so I have no problem with you bringing up books because it's giving me even more books to read. I've got stacks, probably about 20 books high upstairs on my floor because every time I go to a, a thrift store right now, I've been buying a book because I'm really trying to change the way that I think still because yeah. I, I know that although I've made some shifts, there's still more work to be done. And so I'm trying to look at those type of books. So the suggestions you made won't go uh, unheard and hopefully other people will will check some of them out too and that one that you mentioned um uh what, what was it uh the one by mark manson there <laughs> the the one with the f word in it the subtle art of not oh, giving yeah. an f yeah i think you're the probably the fourth person to bring that one up and my wife's even read it so i think i need to be the needs to be the next one on my list because everybody seems to be talking about it um so i mean you talked sort of, you said over the last, I think it was about five years, you said is sort of when five years ago is when you started to recognize that you need to start doing something to, to change, whether it was reading or going to, you know, a therapist. And, and I find that interesting because literally the episode before this, the gentleman that I was talking to sort of said that he went through this sort of change in his life in his 30s. I went through the same change in my 30s. It seems like yours happened in your 30s. And I really wonder if there's a, a like a, you, you said there might have been a book that you read there that talked about a certain age. I don't know if you have any opinions on that, but I find it really odd that I keep seeing this. It seems like the 30s is the time when we all sort of go, okay, what the hell? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think generalizations are around for a reason, but yeah. the word's general, not specific, right? Not everyone does it, but I, they're there for a reason. Uh, you know, like you, it, I even see stuff on LinkedIn on posts where it's like in your twenties, you have all this energy and you're, you're establishing who you are. And in your thirties, you've established who you are and you're moving up the ladder. And in your forties, you monetize what you finally figured out. And in your fifties, you start thinking about building, you know, lots for your of retirement and in your sixties, you get to do all the things you wish you could do when you were in your twenties and in your seventies, like there's, there's stuff everywhere that talk about that. Right. Um, and I think it's probably 80, 20 rule. I think it's largely true for most people. It's just a matter of, um, the, the question that I would ask back would be, would it change based on where you lived in the world? Because we all, you know, mm -hmm. books we're reading are American books and we're American and we live the American dream. And so we're all in this, you know, fishbowl together. Um, if I lived in rural China, would that be the same situation? Because hmm. um, I was watching Jack Ryan on Netflix, the Netflix um, series, and he's over in the Middle East and they've got to use this um, drug dealer, pimp, whatever, to get to the person they're trying to get to. And he hates it because he's like this moral compass, right? And he hates it. And they're having this argument back and forth about how he's the bad guy and Jack Ryan's the good guy. And he said, one of the lines is like, stopped me in my tracks and he said um the bad guy whatever right the terrorist guy that says geography is destiny that i was born here and he said maybe if i was born in ohio i would be the good guy and so that jolted me because that's, i think about those things right and so it's does the age matter yes here in our fishbowl but would that change you know if i was a monk would i be going through that when i'm 25 because i'm spending all this time self-aware um, I don't know. It's, it's an interesting thing to ponder. No. And, and I never even thought about it that way. And it's now that you've said it, it sort of makes me wonder as well, because 
I've had a few guests that grew up in different countries, came here at later points or are still living in different countries. And I can definitely see a little bit of what you're talking about. It, it, it might depend on where you're at just because of the fact that the social norms or whatever you want to look, however you want to look at it are different in every country. And so, yeah, I, I, another good question and maybe something for me to think about to add into here for sure, yeah. without yeah. a doubt. And, you know, not to harp on it too much, but, you know, you said that you, you know, you started maybe talking to friends, then you talked to a pastor, then you talked to a therapist. Out of all of that, would you say all of them helped equally? Or would you say that one of them was really like the thing that sort of broke you and sort of got not broke you, but, you know, pushed you past where you needed to, to go to get to where you're at now? I would say they all play different roles, okay. because they all have different roles. You know, my, my friends encouraged me and, and challenged me. Um, my pastor um, questioned me and, and wanted to know why I was asking the questions and what significance it had, um, on the long term. that this, my soul, not just my, my body. Um, and then my, my therapist was trained to help me maneuver it. Right. And so I think they were all equally, you know, a part of, of, of helping me sort through that stuff. Um, so I don't know if there's one versus another that I would go to first or, or whatnot. Um, that's the part that's not, there's not a prescription. I don't yeah. think it's a, it's a matter of who do you trust? I think you should be vulnerable with whoever you trust today that, you know, it's a safe spot and I don't care what role they play in your life. That's where you start. Because one of the major things uh, about vulnerability is I think it's a muscle. I, I think the more you do it, the easier it gets and the better you get it's cutting to the stuff that matters, asking better questions of yourself and digging down to the things that, that matter most. Um, if you only do it every once in a while, it's, it's useful every time you do it, but it's way more useful if you're more skilled at it. Well, I've, I've never looked at it that way, considering I'm doing a podcast all about it. <laughs> it's a, a new perspective for me and a good way to look at it. And the only reason I brought up the question is because I feel like there's other people out there that have thought about maybe doing these things, seeing a therapist or whatever mm -hmm. it might be. And so I just wanted to sort of get your mm -hmm. opinion on it because maybe that opinion will help somebody else make that mm -hmm. decision or make that you know, choice to, to go and see somebody. Because I think uh, too many of us, unfortunately, <laughs> try and deal with a lot of these things on our own. Right. Um, and that is probably the worst way to do it, at least in my opinion. And I'm sure, you know, those of others that I've spoken to, because I think when you try, you know, anything in life, I think that you try and do alone becomes a lot harder. I mean, whether it's starting a business, whether it's facing your vulnerabilities and your struggles, whatever it might be, I think trying to do it alone is just a, right. you know, there's some parts of it that I'm sure you have to, but at the same time, I think the more you're able to lean on others or learn from others, the quicker you're going to get to the end result. Um, you know, Absolutely. Yeah. And I was talking to my son who's 13 um, about this last week and that uh, he was saying, dad, I really just don't have any friends that want to talk about deep things. Uh, he's like, I like to think about deep things. I want, I, I have questions that I just want to talk about. I don't even necessarily need the answer to. I just, I wish they would talk to me about those and, and they just, you know, they might answer the first question, but then they're out, you know, it's, they've got video games to play, they got whatever, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. And I think, one of the things that I, uh, I don't know if you watched uh, Newsroom, if you've seen um, Newsroom on HBO, it's a fantastic series. Um, because I, I, I was a broadcast journalism major in college. And so I started watching it for that reason to see how they portrayed the newsroom and whatnot. But it, gosh, the stories and the writing is fantastic. Um, 
and political views aside, you know, they cover a presidential race and different things like that, but it doesn't matter. Uh, the thing that was amazing about it was that uh, he, his whole thing, the main guy, and he says this throughout the, the whole series is that he's on a mission to bring back civility. And I really liked that. Um, and I've been thinking about it since I watched it. It's been a couple months since I finished it. And I've been thinking about, you know, my mission is to help people connect purpose to, to their communication and their message. Like that's my personal message. You know, I'm, I have this line where I'm the steady spark that lights the fire to empower and embolden the cause driven. That's my, like me statement. But my, my mission really, I feel like is going more to something like that is that I want to bring back um, the sexiness of thinking deeply. Like I want people to want to think deeply because it opens up new worlds that they didn't realize were there and new possibilities and not, and not the civility part specifically, but that's what inspired me to go, you know what? I really wish people would want to think deeply. And so then when my son was asking that question, I was like, yes, I raised him <laughs> right. He wants to think deeply um, because that's what makes us different than animals. I mean, we, we get to think deeply. That's, that's a gift that we have this brain that wants to, do abstract things and try and make them less abstract. You know, it's, I, I love it. No. And, and it's funny because I literally had a conversation last night with my wife and mother-in-law and we were talking about like some of the younger children that we know, uh, you know, whether it's nieces and nephews or friends that have kids and all that kind of stuff. And the one point that came up that I found different between when I grow up, majorly different between when I grew up, you know, I'm 33, so I'm, you know, not I'm around your age. And so I'm assuming that you probably ha sort of went, saw the same things or have seen the same things. But uh, getting to the point, you know, what I notice is that now kids are less sociable than they were when I was a kid. You know, when I was a kid, we had no problem going to the next door neighbor's house, knocking on their door and asking if they wanted to play hockey on the street or basketball or, you know, riding our bike down the road to the, to the friend's house or whatever it was, you know, like now I feel like, like you're saying, you know, your son went to talk to some of his friends and it was like they answered one question and then they went back to their video games. And I don't want to get into a conversation of blaming technology and this and that. That's what happened last night. But the, <laughs> the, the weird thing is, is I, I, that I just come into mind as you were bringing that up is I wonder if this has a part to do with it is the fact that so the so, we're not as social, whether it's because of our phones, because of technology, because of, you know, other things that are going on, whatever it might be. I just find that that's a big problem right now is that we're not as sociable as we once were. And, and I think we need to get back to that to, to get to what you're saying to these points of having these deeper conversations. So I think technology is a huge distraction for sure. I think it, it is a, a contributor, but I think at its base level, and I was having this conversation on Facebook in a private group because I tend to not have deep conversations on Facebook for, for <laughs> obvious reasons. So I have lots of deep conversations in private groups though. Um, we are an I society, not a we society. Um, I believe at the root of, of American culture, we left England because we were being persecuted because we want to do it this way. And you're telling us we can't do it this way. And I think that grew over time into a, a, a monster. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to do well and, and to want to perform well, but I don't, once you cross the line of doing it at the expense of others, which the constitution specifically says is what's not supposed to happen, <laughs> but human nature is that's how it works, right? Once you start getting enough, a little of something you want more, right? We're addictive creatures. Um, and so I, I think if you go to Switzerland, they've built their entire society around a we mentality, you know, those Nordic countries 
particularly are, are very much a, a, a group culture. And the Chinese with their families are very group cultured. Like you take care of your parents and your grandparents, and you live in the same house and all the money coming in belongs to everybody. And, and we take care of each other, right? America's not like that, you know? And I think that's one of the, the negative things about America, right? Is, is we don't have that mentality. And, and that's a mentality that I think a lot of people on LinkedIn over the last two years when the, the rise of LinkedIn, you know, happened and all that, um, a lot of the people that gained a lot of the, the following, um, a lot of my, my best friends on LinkedIn that were big, big, huge names, whatever, that's what they liked is there was this we mentality is we all want to help each other. Um, and it's, it's not about how can I knock down other creators so that I can get more engagement. It's about how can I collaborate with other creators so that they can get engagement too, because I like what they're doing, you know? And so that's, that's my, my hot take is America's not the greatest country in the world. <laughs> well, and you know what the, the thing is though, is like, I'm from Canada. So, you know, but, but I've noticed what you're saying right now. I've noticed the same sort of thing. Like I said, I'm, I'm my dad's Portuguese. So I've got this, you know, half Portuguese side of me, European side. And then my wife is Filipino. So I've got these two different cultures right around me. And what you're talking about, I notice in both of those cultures, you know, in, in the Filipino culture, I see the way that they take care of their community and their families and all that kind of stuff. And then same thing with the Portuguese culture. My grandmother was all about family. Whenever all the family was around was when she was happiest. And yet in Canadian culture, and as you're saying, in American culture, I don't feel the same way. I don't, I didn't see that, you know, my mom's Canadian, like Canadian, probably like 10 generations back, like very Canadian. Yeah. And so, you know, growing up in, in the household with her, I didn't see that as much as I would have in uh, outside. And, and especially, like I said, you know, with my wife now being from a completely different culture on the other side of the world, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's definitely apparent. So I wonder, you know, you could be right that it's, it's more of a cultural thing. And that goes back to what you were saying a few minutes ago about depending on where you grow up in the world could make a difference towards how things are go for you and, and how you look at things. So um, without a doubt. So how, how would you say that everything that we've talked about, you know, so far, you know, whether it's the, you know, the, the relationship with your father, the competitiveness that you had, the, you know, going, getting to a point in your life where you realize I got to change things. How would you say all of this helped you get to where you are right now in your life with your, your current career? How, how would you say it all got you there? I, w I would say that um, I was at a Brendan Burchard event um, and he's kind of, <laughs> he's one of the major first like, uh, I'll teach you how to be an influencer because I'm an influencer. He was kind of one of those guys um, that was kind of first on the scene. And um, he's really smart. He, he also is kind of obsessed with the, the psychology part of stuff and the neuroscience and brain, brain plasticity and all that fun stuff, right? <laughs> um, and he had a speaker at his event. Um, I can't remember his name, which is annoying because he, he was one of the best speakers I've ever seen. And he's a professional speaker. And he used to play for the San Francisco 49ers. He was a wide receiver. <clears throat> but what he said that stuck with me that I think answers this question for me is that you are a hundred percent unique based on your experiences, right? Your DNA is a hundred percent unique. Sure. And, but we're, we're a homogenous culture and, and, and spots, right? Like, and we have lots of similarities and, and we tend to pull into groups of people like us and things like that but our experiences are 100% unique. And that's what makes you the expert in what you believe. And so if people like what you say and what you believe, then you are the expert because it's your experience. And if you know some, something 
more than another person, then you can teach, right? And I believe that wholeheartedly. Do I believe you should taunt yourself as an expert and a guru and all that stuff? I personally hate those words. Um, I think that's, those are words for that people give to themselves typically for, because they, they don't have enough self-confidence to just let their actions speak. Um, and I've been, you know, guilty before, because like I said, I, I craved that before, but at this point in my life, I think that's, you know, I, I don't think you should need that. It's the subtle art of not giving an F, right? <laughs> but your actions do the speaking. Um, but I think that if more people would embrace the fact that they know one or two things about a subject area that other people don't, and they have a 100% unique view on that, they would be more willing to be vulnerable in a lot of other areas in their life. Because in, in, in uh, terms of like clarity in, in communicating and in, in connecting purpose to, to message, I feel like I have a 100% unique view on that based on my experiences. And I feel like that I am very, very good at it and can help my audience specifically very, very well. On other areas of my life, and I'm still gonna be vulnerable in those areas because I wanna learn. But in other areas of my life, that has helped me now go, I am not an expert in these other areas of my life. And I need to open up and, and do these things. And so that's the, I guess, maybe the path that I've been brought down and, and have landed on is that I need to remember that I am only an expert on basically one or two things in my life. And it's because I focus really hard on it. And it's kind of what I'm built for based on my personality and you know, whatever. Um, everything else is up for debate. And so um, if, if that's the case, then I need to have a mindset of openness and vulnerability and, and a willingness to want to go out and, and seek it out. And actually, one of the things that I teach in my one-on-one in my -on -one coaching um, is around accountability, uh, which you have to be vulnerable to be accountable, right? Um, cause you have to be willing to say I was wrong and it's, it, and it only works because we're defensive when people come at us hundred percent, all of us are defensive in different ways, but we're defensive when people come at us and say, you're wrong. Accountability has to be invited. It can't be forced. So I actually, in my 10 tips, 10 days, uh, tip number nine was around accountability. And what I said was, is the only other place I know where the phrase hold someone accountable is used and it is hold someone hostage. <laughs> That's the only place I can think of it, right? And that is yeah. a very negative thing. And so if you ask for accountability, you invite it into your life, then it's a great thing and you can be vulnerable. That's, that's an attitude of vulnerability. It's a lifestyle. Whereas if you say, I need to hold that person accountable, I get it. People need to be held to a standard, but they don't need to be held accountable. They need to invite it into their lives. So that's, I mean, I teach it. It's, it's part of how I coach teams and organizations to understand that you can't be most effective with what you do in your business without vulnerability. No. And uh, so two, a couple of things there. One, Brandon Bouchard, I just finished his book, the millionaire messenger, which is one of his earlier books. And I can definitely see how he might've helped you because it's helping me with moving forward with what I want to have my personal brand represent uh, moving forward. And, and I totally agree with what you're saying in terms of, I don't, I don't like the whole guru thing either. Um, even he talks about, you know, being an expert in that book, but he doesn't like it too much either. And, and, and so for me, what it's opened me up is realizing that sure, maybe the subject I'm going to speak about is the same as 10 other people, but there's still something about it that is different for me than those other 10 people. So I agree with what you're saying there. And then, you know, in terms of uh, the last part that you spoke there about accountability, I can 
totally understand what you're saying because over the last three months or so, I've been doing the 5 a.m. club, which was another Robin Sharma thing. Getting up at 5 a.m. every day, I, I uh, exercise for 20 minutes, I meditate for 10, I journal for 10, and then I read for 20. And a gentleman that introduced it to me way before the book came out, um, I reached out to him after I finished the book and I said, hey, I'm going to do this again. Are you interested in doing it with me? And we started off with, you know, these morning messages on a WhatsApp group saying, hey, I'm up, you know, great, cool, you know, keep going, whatever. And then we actually found this app called Habit Share. And you basically go on, you put all your habits in there and then we share them. And what's interesting is that it's all based on an honesty system because he doesn't know whether I'm actually doing it or not. But what you're saying about accountability is that I'm not forced to do it, but I'm doing it because we, we had that communication between each other. We decided to do it and we decided that if we're going to do this, we have to be 100% honest with each other. And even what I've noticed aside from that is that on days that he misses, if he misses two or three days, I reach out to him and I don't reach out to him with judgment and saying, Hey, what, what's going on? Like, you're not keeping me accountable. You're not whatever. I'm just like, is everything okay? And yeah. we've actually opened up to each other about a lot of different things over these last three months that are going on in our lives and, and just yeah. being, you know, more open. So I can see exactly what you're saying, how accountability, it can't be forced. You have to choose to do it, but then where it can also help you in many different areas. So, yeah, uh, I, I have a, a, an accountability relationship with Jake Melton and some of the viewers may know him. Um, and we do it via Marco Polo. And every Monday okay. we put our, um, our, um, what you call our inputs uh, for the week. Like we're, these are the things we're going to put into our week so that the outcome will be this. I, that's another discussion for another day about goals and all that, but goals, I, I don't like goals anymore. I, I prefer outcomes and, and, um, and outcomes are based, you know, connected to aspirational, you know, parts of your life and stuff like that. But anyway, so we do that. Um, and then actually I was going to show you if, if you want, if you let me share my screen, I'm actually speaking on Thursday. Okay. Um, and that, an example of how people can be experts in the same field of almost the exact same thing. I literally am speaking about that on three slides. So I was just going to show you those real quick because I think it really illustrates that point well that I, that you know I was just saying. Um, so I'll share that real quick, and you can edit it out if you need to. But so here's my my presentation, right? Um, and I'm talking about uh, at this point um, how you need to be really clear with your message and your headline, and very specific with who you serve. And I'm like, I'm like the communication clarity coach. I do consulting, team training, one-on-one -on -one coaching, and impact over my attention is my personal brand. Right. So I'm a, I'm a coach and I'm, I'm talking about communication specifically for businesses. And I'm, I like to work with cause driven organizations. So I specifically profit or nonprofit. If you have a people you love and are passionate about, and that's what your business is about. That's the type of organizations I like to work with. Right. Okay. So that's one version of that, that role. Okay. Jamie Cohen, right. She is, I teach you to use the right words. She's a speaker, a communications coach, messaging and personal branding consultant. Right. And she has a different background. She was an influencer on Instagram, right? She, she had things that she does. Um, and she, she speaks and gets paid to speak. That's not part of what I, my option, you know, I speak to get business. She speaks to get paid. <laughs> Excuse me. And then Lila Smith, say things better, creator and speaker, communication breakthrough coach, messaging consultant, certified UMAP coach, five-star life science, blah, 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 right? She also gets paid to speak. She also has a different, little bit different personal brand. Say things better. Hers is based on her acting career and, and like these platforms that they learned and these, and these systems and frameworks and how that can help you communicate with your partner, your business partner, your whatever. 
So that's three different versions of the exact same job, but we all have such wide experiences and in, in, in areas of focus that people get too scared of this. And I'm good friends with both of these girls. Yeah. Right? They're both actually future guests, hopefully. Well, Lila's actually, or Lila, sorry, has actually got a, uh, a schedule with me, but Jamie, I'm still reaching out to. So, but yeah, I, I get what but you're those saying. Those are my friends. Yeah. It, like, I, it, there's no animosity. We, we is better than me, right? Yeah. It's like, and if I am not a good fit for a client, I'm sending them to one of those two people, right? They're, they're partners I can, I can send business to. So I just think it's important. That's, that's another piece of vulnerability and, and, and confidence and understanding of what I'm good at. And I can be okay with not being everyone's communications coach, right? No, no. And again, it's, uh, it's something to think about because, you know, unfortunately, I think, like I said earlier, when we start to do things, we focus on ourselves and, and we try and do it alone. And, and that's just, again, another example of how it's not probably the best way to go because it's just going to take you that much longer and it's going to be that much harder. And, and like you said, we're not experts on everything. So why try and be one when that's just going to lead you to probably, I mean, even like last year, again, not to get into my story too much, but when I started putting myself out there on LinkedIn, I was just talking about my story and talking about everything. And I didn't have a clear focus. And I think that's why I disappeared for a while because I was like, well, what am I doing this for? You know, and, and, you know, when I started to get the, the views and stuff like that, and, and that started to become the thing that was pointed out, oh, look how many views the last video got. I was like, this is not why I started this. Like, you know, I started my journey on LinkedIn and, and that whole thing to help people to basically show people like, hey, I got to let go for my job. I'm not, I, I don't even think I'm going to do what I've been doing for the last 17 years. Mm-hmm. Here's why. And, and, and at first it was, you know, building relationships and having conversations with people. And I have people that will say that I helped them. But once it got to a point where I didn't feel like I was doing that anymore, it was very uncomfortable. And I had to sort of look back and say, okay, what do you want from this? And then re- reevaluate. And now, like I said, you know, getting back to where I'm trying to help people, that's where this podcast came from. That's where I'm starting to, you know, drill down on my personal brand. So again, completely agree with what you had to say there. So I'm down to my, my last few questions. This one has been another one that I've gotten some different answers and, and a lot of the same, but I just want to see what your sort of perspective on it is. But would you say that at this point in your life, you found success and fulfillment or that you're still on your journey towards that? Uh, both. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, you'll notice a theme if you go back and watch this is I think it's a mindset. I think fulfillment is, and success is a measurement of goals and fulfillment is a mindset. Um, just like gratitude, right? Like if I'm happy today with where I'm sitting right here, I'm happy to be talking to you. Uh, I'm happy to be discussing something I'm passionate about. Then I have a fulfilling day. That doesn't mean I, I have all the money that I wish I had. It doesn't mean I have um, even the circle of friends that I'm hoping to have in the future that challenge me even more. Like none of that is, doesn't matter because, and it's the reason I shifted away from talking about goals because goals puts this, picture in your mind that once you reach it, you have achieved the success that you need to be happy, which is the wrong way to live your life. I think I'm happy today because I'm choosing to be happy and do the things, whether I get paid or not, I'm going to be talking about communication. I'm going to be talking about clarity. I'm going to be talking about accountability because I care about it. And so I'm fulfilled doing that. Um, and then there's larger goals. Of course, I, you know, I want to help a thousand businesses um, that, are, that have a cause reach more of their cause because I'm passionate about that. So that that will be fulfilling when I reach that number, but it doesn't 
keep me from being fulfilled today. Interesting. Uh, you're, I think, the second person to say both. So, but a different perspective on it. So again, it's it, I, I. This is why I'm really enjoying this. Like I said, I mean, it's it's so cool to just see everybody. And again, it goes back to what you talked about. Everybody's uniqueness and everybody's unique way of looking at things. And what I what I'm really happy about when it comes to that is that you know eventually, obviously, I hope to have hundreds of thousands, if not millions, of listeners. And I know that each one of those listeners is going to have a different experience and a different story. But my hope is that at least one of these episodes can relate to that person. You know, like I've said in previous posts, as I've started to release this podcast, my my main goal for this is to impact one person with each episode. That's it. Not a hundred, not a thousand, one person. If one person listens to this and it changes the, the way they think, I'm happy. And funny enough, you know, my mom, um, who I, I would have never really expected in a million years. She started listening to my podcast and we were out a couple of weekends ago with some family and she was like boasting about it. And she was saying how it even got her to start thinking about things differently. And like, she's retired and you know, her life is really good right now. And not that it wasn't in the past, but it's just interesting to see like, you know, even at her age and where she's at in her life, <laughs> that my little, you know, podcast <laughs> was able to affect the way that she thinks. So I guess, you know, in some ways I'm, I'm already doing it. So, Absolutely. Uh, so, Last couple of things, like I said, uh, so this one, this question, every episode I want people that, that listen to it to come away from it with something that they can, you know, use in their lives immediately, whether it's, you know, the next day, an hour later, whatever. And so I ask each guest, what are three key takeaways from your life and your journey that you could give to people that they can use to start their own or to face their own vulnerabilities and their own struggles? I would say um, open up today to someone read and repeat all right um, because you you have to start with action um any performance coach any any person that wants you to actually create things in your life that are different than today start with action and so like i mentioned earlier find someone that is a safe spot for you and if you have nobody reach out to me i'm completely open to, to speaking to anybody if they have something that they need to get off their chest. Cause I just am, I, I tend to attract those people too. Like it, 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 and I'm okay talking to anybody. So find me on LinkedIn, reach out in the DM. If you just need to get something off your chest. Um, so yeah, find somebody, find a safe spot and start today. Just, just take a step. And then the second thing is, yeah, take any one of these books, um, go find any of the other people with podcasts that are doing Mark Metry's got a fantastic podcast, you know, um, just go find someone and that, that, that you can, that can be your mentor. It's not here today with you and, and read what they're talking about or read what they wrote or open yourself up to new ideas and, and ask and think about deep questions and then go back and be vulnerable again with those new ideas. Cause that process is, is how you become more vulnerable. It's like that muscle, like I was saying, it's that practice and it doesn't have to be a big, long drawn out conversation. You know, what we're doing here right now is being vulnerable. Um, and, and the degree of which we're willing to do that on an everyday basis is how effective it's going to be for us. So that's, that would be my, my three ones. Yeah. The, the good three, good three. I, I like them definitely. And like I said already, reading has, has helped me out a ton and I would suggest it to anybody. I used to read a lot when I was a kid, totally avoided it for many years because you know, everything else gets in front of you and you're, you're busy, <laughs> uh, busy being busy. Sometimes people will say, and since I've gotten back to it, like I said, every morning, 20 minutes, and sometimes throughout the day, it's just started to open my mind up more and more. And the more I'm learning, the better I feel I'm getting, at, you know, at being a better me or whatever else is going on in my life. So again, solid three. 
So the last thing isn't so much a question. It's more of an opportunity for each guest to sort of promote themselves and whatever they've got going on. Because again, these interviews are about you and I want to make sure that people get to know you and can find you, whether it's on social or something that you've got going on. So the floor is yours. Go ahead. You know, I just, um, you know, I, I, I basically do two things. I do one-on-one coaching and then I do team training and, um, consulting, um, so, you know, if you're looking to better connect to your audience or to your employees um, and you're a cause-driven organization, that doesn't mean you're nonprofit. It just means you love the people that you, you built the business for. Um, if, if you're interested in talking about that, uh, I love helping getting those messages dialed in so that your employees love being there and really can buy into it. And then your audience, uh, you can raise more money or you can sell more stuff, you know, so that you can, can do that. So. If you're looking to to improve where you're at on that, um, I'm sure my my social media will be somewhere around here. Yeah, uh, for sure. And show notes for sure. Yeah. What's yep. what's the best one? Would you say for people to reach out to you on? Because everybody sort of prefers one so social on. channel. So <laughs> I know the answer, but he that doesn't mean. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's LinkedIn. I'm a, I live on LinkedIn. Um, I like Instagram a lot too. I, I do interact quite a bit on Instagram. So LinkedIn and Instagram would be the social media that you could find me on, or. Um, my, my website's impactoverattention.com. So awesome. Well, awesome. that'll all be in the show notes, but I still wanted to try and make it clear for everybody. So yeah, thanks. Well, man, that's, that's pretty much it. I, you know, I appreciate the, the time you've given me today. I appreciate you being so open. I can definitely see this as just like, you know, the other episodes I've had helping people because you're the one thing I, I did enjoy is, is the conciseness. Like you, you're very like to the point, um, you know, and you didn't have to sort of draw out long stories to get to the point. And, uh, and so I think that this one will, will help a lot of people because they can take some, you know, key points from, from listening to it throughout the episode. So again, thank you for your time and thank you for coming on. Yeah, man. Thanks, Brian. Appreciate it. Take care. Thank you for listening to the vulnerable podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, please subscribe and leave a review. It helps get the word out and means more than you know. You can also follow the podcast on Instagram at vulnerable.podcast or on Facebook and LinkedIn by searching Vulnerable Podcast. You can also follow me on Instagram at the B-E-L-M-E-D-A, that's the B-E-A-L-M-E-I-D-A, or by searching my name on Facebook and LinkedIn. If you know anyone with a great story of going from struggle to success, please let me know as I would love to interview them for the show. I appreciate you taking the time to listen and see you next week.